This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. I'd like to challenge you on Easter. I'm taking uh, the assumption that you guys know the Easter story, that you've read it. Uh, you watched a video, something has, um, you know, you know something about it. So uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. A few years ago, uh, I forget exactly how many years ago, a friend of mine, I'll just call him Nino, called me up and asked me if I knew what Bitcoin was. And I said, no. And he says, it's digital currency. And I go, what is that? He, and he tried to explain it to me. And I tell you what, I just could not wrap my brain around it. And he says, uh, he said to me, Mario, uh, they're selling at $500 a Bitcoin and you should get in on it. And I'm like, I'm not going to be silly. I don't have a lot of money. And so he bought 15 Bitcoins at $500. Um, and he still has them today. And uh, so then I saw him again on February 2020. I was in St. Louis. For a second, I thought it was a power outage. And there you go. And um, thank you, thank you. I need the people to see me, all right? <laughs> we didn't have these lights before. I can't even imagine what. Can you turn them off? This is what we had before. Yeah, that was it. So, so uh, he, uh, I met him in St. Louis at a meeting, and he told me, Mario, you, you need to get in on it. And at that time, a Bitcoin was selling at $5,000 a Bitcoin. And I didn't know that you could buy portions of Bitcoin. I thought you had to buy the whole thing. And so I didn't buy any of it. And then uh, today, Bitcoin is trading up and down around $40,000 of Bitcoin. So if you, if you do the math, you bought it at 500 and you bought, I think, 15 of them, um, you could do the math. I will tell you that he's looking at homes down in Siesta Key on the island. So after a $7,500 uh, investment. Which reminds me of another story is uh, I had the opportunity to fly into Phoenix, or some people call it Foenix, and so it's from an old FedEx commercial. You have to see it, but there's, the guy was shipping something. He goes, I'd like to send this to Foenix, and the lady goes, do you mean Phoenix? And he goes, ha, 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 no, it's Foenix. And so anyway, I've not been able to uh, change that. And so uh, I flew into Phoenix, Arizona, and we, I got in a van, and I with like 10 other co-workers, and we went north about two hours, and we ended up in this little city called Sedona. Anybody ever been to Sedona? Sedona is an absolutely beautiful place. Uh, I got to play golf there. At least that's what we attempted to do, I attempted to do, and I just loved it. Uh, the ninth hole, you see the, the backdrop of Red Rock Mountains, and it was just stunning. And so I flew home, and I was very excited to talk to my kids about it, and this is how long ago this was. I took out an atlas, a book, you know, a big atlas book, and, and I was showing them where Sedona was because I was so excited to tell them about my trip. 
And when I was looking at the map, I noticed something that took my breath away, and I was shocked. Because as I put my little finger on Phoenix, and I went north, and I saw Sedona, and I just noticed about an inch away on the map was this other place called the Grand Canyon. And the Grand Canyon was on my bucket list at that time to visit. I wanted to see the Grand Canyon. And unbeknownst to me, I don't know if I was just because I didn't know where Sedona was. I didn't do my homework. I didn't think about it. Uh, maybe I wasn't geographical astute about these things. Um, and then I was shocked to silence that I realized that I missed an opportunity to go see the Grand Canyon. And the reason I tell you this story is that um, I was very close. You know, on the map, I was about an inch away. In reality, I was in a car. I was about two hours away, if that, and, and missed my opportunity to go see the Grand Canyon. So I tell you these two stories because I want to talk to you about two people that missed the opportunity of a lifetime. And this morning, I don't want you to miss the opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm not going to try to sell you Bitcoin or uh, anything else, Apple stock, or any of those things that we could have jumped in on in the beginning. Uh, but this is a Bitcoin story, if you will, with a, I think, more absolutely a more tragic ending. Uh, there's a, a character in the story, the true story of Jesus, and his name is Pontius Pilate. And you've heard his name before, I imagine. And Pontius Pilate had Jesus right in front of him. And I can imagine he couldn't get any closer. I mean, literally uh, inches away from Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it reminded me when I read the story that it was like, like being an inch close to a goal of mine. Well, we know from reading about Pontius Pilate, he was a leader uh, for about a decade, he led the province there. And so when I'm reading that, I'm recognizing that Pontius Pilate had some capacity uh, to lead. He had some sort of brain power to understand his job and to do it, I imagine, well. And so this tells me something about uh, Pontius Pilate, that he was inquisitive. Here in the story, we know that uh, his wife in the Matthew's gospel says that she even warned him uh, she warned Pontius Pilate to be careful and not to judge the innocent Jesus. This tells me a little bit more about Pontius Pilate, that he, he was smart enough to marry a smart wife. And I think many of us have done that. Um, and so, and she, which tells me that she has the capacity to think and process and, and, and understand the situation. And so she warns her husband to be careful not to judge the innocent Jesus. Now, I don't know if her motives were selfish or what, but I know that she has the capacity to think and process. In John chapter 18, 38, uh, the Gospel of John tells us that Pontius Pilate was, I would say, a thinker. Because he asked Jesus a question. Are you really the king of the Jews? So he's got some capacity to think. He's not just some robot. Uh, he's not just some puppet, but he's asking really good questions. And I would say that the evidence was right in front of him. So the question I have as I'm reading the story and as you've read this story, why would Pontius Pilate choose to free a rebel called Barabbas and yet hand over an innocent 
Savior called Jesus, and not only hand him over, but to be crucified, a crucial, I mean, a, a um, cruel, cruel way to die. Well, we know that Pontius Pilate was swayed by the crowds. He, cho- he chose to go with the flow of the crowd. And I have been guilty of this so many times in my life, where I wanted to go one direction, but the crowd convinced me to go another. There was a time when I was in youth group, I was a rebellious teen. I was, um, I was what you would call the perfect uh, sheep, uh, uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. I was sitting in the back, uh, in the, back in the pew, but I was not looking for Jesus at all. And a friend of mine named Craig uh, was responding to the sermon and I, re- I saw him lift his hand up. And I was in shock and I wanted to influence him. So I literally grabbed his arm and pulled it down. Like, what, I said, what are you doing? You know, this is my, my party friend. What are you doing? And he put his hand down. And, and so many times I've been uh, caught up in that, that moment of being swayed by the crowd myself. So we can see that he was swayed by the crowd if you read the story. And Jesus, the king of the Jews, was right in front of him. The creator of the world was right in front of him. He stared right in the eyes of Jesus, and yet he still says no. He denies love. He looks right into the eyes of forgiveness. He stares right into the eyes of of the healer. He he stares right in the eyes of uh, a pure, holy man. He stares right in the eyes of eternal uh, salvation, eternal paradise, and he he, what I would call, he blinked. He blinked because the crowd wanted something different. The mob or the crowd decided not only Jesus' fate, but Pontius Pilate's fate. And I'm here to encourage you, if you've been around Jesus, you know about Jesus. He stared you right in the eyes. He tells you he loves you. He's told you he wants to come into your life. He wants to change your life. And you've looked at him, but please, I'm, I, I plead that don't be swayed by the crowd, but be, be uh, moved by what we call the Holy Spirit uh, bringing, you know, moving in your heart. So he blinks and he chooses the crowd. And that crowd will decide his fate as well. Not only Barabbas' destiny, but his fate as well. So my challenge for us this morning is don't let anything get in the way from knowing the resurrected Savior. We live in a culture where like uh, slothfulness could be in the way. Like, you know, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. And then we allow slothfulness to get in the way. And I, uh, during COVID, I didn't realize how um, strong that, that spirit of slothfulness is. Because we shut down for I don't know how many months. And uh, we pre-recorded on Thursday, the Sunday morning service. We would put the service on Sunday morning. But I was home on Sunday morning, just like all of you. And I was watching myself on Sunday morning on the couch. And little did I know, it's like, wow, this is pretty comfortable. I didn't have to get changed. I didn't have to do anything. I just go down in my pajamas and, and watch the, t- the telly, as they say. And uh, wow. I, and then I noticed, like, this, this is, feels good. This feels good to stay home. But then I realized, man, this is not uh, the way of the master. 
And so uh, being together with one another and, and, and rubbing shoulders with one another and, and, and being part of the bride of Christ. So I can see how it's easily swayed. A slothfulness can get in the way of coming to see Jesus in a, in a real way. So our challenge this morning is don't let the crowd sway you. Don't let image sway you. That's what I was always afraid of. Like, what would people think of me? My family members, like, you know, could sway me and say, no, you know, don't do that. Uh, money, you know, like you feel like Jesus is somehow going to make you poor, and he might. You know, you might lose your job, but don't let that sway you from following Jesus. Don't let anything, fame or doubt, be an obstacle from meeting Jesus. Because he's looking right at us this morning, and he's asking you a question. He's asked all his disciples and followers, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Not follow you. Not follow part-time, but will you follow me? Will you drop what you're doing and follow me? So don't be swayed with the spirit of Pontius Pilate so close to Jesus that you miss him. You miss him. And there's one more person. I got a few more minutes. Uh, this next person, and if you're new to our church, we like to, I, I challenge everybody, don't look at yourself as the hero, look at yourself as the villain, all right? And so I'm gonna ask you to, to at least uh, empathize with Judah, Judas, the Iscariot. I want you to empathize with him. And maybe you can see yourself in him. When I reread the story of, G of Judas, and I, could, I began to see myself that I am Judas as well. And Matthew 26, 14 through 16 says this. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Judas was an ordinary man. In the beginning, he gave everything up to follow Jesus. At least we thought he did. And Jesus picks him as one of the 12, like he's inside the life of Christ. And then something happened. And so this is where I have to guess that maybe he thought something better was out there. You know, I've been following Jesus for a few years, a few months, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having buyer's remorse. And so, but according to scripture, we can see that his journey with Jesus started beautifully. You know, so many of us, and I can remember my friends, uh, so many of us started our journey with Jesus so beautifully. I'm here, to, I hate to tell you, and I'm sad to tell you that some of my friends are no longer serving the Lord. They've, they've given up. And so Judas was also in the journey with Jesus. He had, a, I think, a beautiful encounter with Christ. And of course, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back. But I'm sure Judas was a good guy. I'm sure that he had probably good intentions. But I'm wondering, what about his desires inside his heart? It is interesting that when you, I'm going to read a scripture here, that he opens up his heart. He's vulnerable. He is going to be vulnerable and honest. But he makes a fatal mistake is that he, he's open and vulnerable and honest to the wrong people. It says that, uh, this is sadly in Judas, uh, it says in, in scripture here, in Matthew 27, early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. 
when Jesus, who had uh, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, and he returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And this is what he says to them: "I have sinned," he said, "for I have betrayed innocent blood." He's open and he's honest. He now recognizes what he's done and now he's opening up to people. And this is their response. What is it to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. And I'm here, I said, and I wanna challenge this this morning because I know for some, this might be the only opportunity that we have, but I wanna challenge you that, hey, let's make sure that we have a relationship with Jesus that we're not just having a relationship with the culture. There are people right in this room that if you have questions, if you have doubts, we would walk with you in that journey, that, that part of your life. We're not gonna, we don't throw people out for questioning uh, you know, the things about Christ. Did he really arise again? Someone asked me, you know, he says that three days, but he, he uh, was crucified on Friday and he rose on Sunday. That's like two days. And those are good questions. And here at Mosaic Church, we're not afraid of questions. We will walk with you. And if we don't know the answers, when we don't have all the answers, we will walk with you to help find the answers. But it's important that you ask the right people, people that love Jesus who have uh, Bible knowledge and, and maturity in their lives. And so, but Pontius Pilate, I mean, excuse me, Judas, he asks the wrong people, he confesses to the wrong people, and they don't guide him, they just throw him away. The second reason Judas misses Easter is that he loses his vision. Maybe it was his insatiable desire to make money that caused him to lose his integrity. We know that he stole money from John 12. Maybe he needed the money for his family. Maybe he was, you know, his family was hungry. But I'm just telling you, there was, there's a body of Christ that are willing to help people, uh, but you know, to steal from Jesus and to lie and all those things. He thought he had it under control. And that's the other temptation is that we all think we have it under control. I have played that game too many times in my youth thinking that I had it all under control. That I can play the game of Jesus with him. You know, that I can be close enough that uh, when the time comes, I can, I can jump in with Christ. And we, need, we see that with Judas. He thought he could just change on a dime. He felt regret that he turned over Jesus. And I'm sure, in my mind, when I read the scripture, is that Jesus had escaped so many different times from being uh, crucified or captured that he thought, well, I can get some money and Jesus will escape and we both win. But he didn't. He was playing a game. So the question I have is, how can someone who's seen with his own eyes Jesus perform miracles, feeding 5,000, raising the dead, healing the man with leprosy, casting out demonic man, the demonic man, he was on the boat when Jesus calmed the storm, but his own storm, whatever it might be, Judas was not able to withstand. He somehow got disillusioned. So I'm going to finish here. I wanna challenge you this morning that the Lord is here 
Jesus is here. We're gonna be taking communion in a moment, but Jesus is here to help you in your times of storms. Not to deny him, not to reject him, not to sell him out for whatever reason, but to bring you closer to him. I will end with this, and it breaks my heart to say this, but our, our world is changing. I think in my lifetime, the story that I'm just telling you is going to flip. I think, sadly, that one day a Judas Iscariot will be looked as the hero and not the villain. No one's actually gonna say it out loud, but in today's climate, I think I can see it. Why? Because he freed himself from the opium of the masses leader, Jesus. He set himself free. He chose personal happiness or financial happiness, profit rather than to follow the hard road of Jesus. He freed himself from this myth, quote unquote myth. And I sadly, and I don't say this is any joy, I'm not trying to be hip or anything like that. Uh, I don't need to try. Uh, But he was even absorbed in this death culture that we live in by aborting himself. And we're getting to a place where that's a 21st century hero. I wanna challenge us this morning, church, that we choose Jesus, the road of Jesus. It's, I, I'm not promising it's gonna be a bed of roses, a road of roses, but let me just tell you the fullness of Christ, knowing why we're here, knowing that he loves us, knowing that we have an identity in him, knowing that, that my sins have been forgiven. And, and I had multiples and I thank the Lord and he continues to forgive me. And not only does he forgive me, he calls me his son. And not only does he call me his son, he, he wants to draw me close to him. It's not like some distant father or some distant savior. And I'm drawn close to him. And then not only does he draw me close to him like a, a good father, he begins to, to share his heart with me. And, and I get to share my heart with him. And then he tells me that I have, uh, he has a role for me in his, his family. And he, he will do the same for you. There's a purpose for you to be here. And he'll tell you those things. And next thing you know that you have this walk with Jesus that's close. You hear his voice and you follow his commands. And then he tells you, I've got this job for you. And so uh, the job is not the job that maybe you're in, but the job is to reach others with the love of Christ. And so this morning, I pray that you choose Jesus and not get swayed by the crowd like Pontius Pilate did or not get swayed like, you know, various reasons uh, Judas did. Uh, you know, and I know that some people would say, well, he was destined to do that. Um, I think he, he probably had a little bit more free will than that, but he still chose. He chose to, to, to do his own thing at the expense of his eternal soul. So this morning, I'd like for us to close our eyes for a moment. I'm gonna ask Austin to come up. But I'd like to ask you to choose the path of Christ and not to choose the path of Judas, his own path. Maybe it was, you're in a crisis and you think you can do it on your own. And I'm just telling you, you could try. I've, I've done that myself. But at the end of the day, you'll fall short. And Jesus is really the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is worth more than cheap thrills, He's, more, he's worth more than money. Uh, he's, he's worth more than trying to find revenge. He's more worth, he's worth more than trying to keep on some good reputation. He can change your life like he changed my life. 
And we sang a song about that. He changed our lives and he turned us around. And I'm asking you, if your eyes closed, if there's anyone here who's willing to raise their hand and say, Pastor Mario, I, I, need, a, I need Jesus in my life. I, I need to. I've, I've, not, I've not responded to him. I've kind of stayed away. I've, he's been close, like Pontius Pilate close, but um, I've not really asked him to come into my life. If that's you, just raise your hand, and I just want to acknowledge that. Amen. Maybe you can be publicly say this morning that, yes, Jesus has changed my life. If you could say that Jesus has changed your life, you could just go ahead and raise your hand. Amen. He's changed my life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I pray, God, that everybody in this room who claims to be a follower of Jesus, Lord, that would really be that. If they... If there's someone in this room that has not known you and has stayed away because of various reasons, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help them through your Holy Spirit. Bring people into their lives that can, can help them with the questions that they might have. Lord, we thank you, God. We know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, you've given us this relationship, uh, Lord, that it's just beyond our comprehension. And not only here, Lord, eternal, uh, Lord, relationship. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your elements, please. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com. Tlh.com.